So today we're going to cover one of the more interesting questions that I don't normally have the space to cover, but because today and this whole week has just been a complete mess. Uh, I'm just going to slot this in here because this is something that you probably have never heard before, and that's good. And it also combines one of my niche interests, which is philosophy. I got interested in philosophy when my high school teacher decided to take it upon himself to teach PPE in high school. And um, that was my first introduction to formal logic and ethics and um questioning reality <laughs> um so this is an interesting question i think philosoph philosophers ask really interesting questions just as a nature um the problem is they ask questions to which the answers don't actually affect anything that you do day to day but i think this one might so this is the experience machine thought experiment i think the assumption that people are hedonists leads to some poor policy and poor interactions take the question of what's a satisfying work environment people have been too quick to say, well, you want money, you want money, you want comfort, you want no challenges, you want a good time. Well, people who have looked at this, like the psychologist Tom Tyler, have pointed out that what people want from a work environment is often respect, the feeling they're treated fairly, challenge. Csikszentmihalyi, the psychologist who sadly passed away, points out that we thrive when we're engaged and when we're struggling, the right level of struggling, what he calls flow. And I think this is a much more accurate picture of human motivation than, than what the hedonists will give you. Interesting. The classic philosophical thought experiment to tease this out for somebody who thinks that all they pursue is pleasure is the famous Robert Nozick experience machine. Yes. The example he gives, which is very familiar to anybody who's seen The Matrix, and you used to have to appeal to theology, but now you just go for the movies, where here's the offer. We could plug you into a, a machine that would give you for the rest of your life the experience of living a full, rich, wonderful life. If you think a, life a good life involves struggling and challenges, you'll get that too. You'll get whatever it is for the best possible life. But this will all be an illusion. You're going to spend the rest of your life lying on a table with wires attached to your head doing nothing. Now, Nozick looks at this and says, well, plainly you wouldn't want to get strapped into my machine. We don't just want the impression of raising a family and falling in love and climbing Mount Everest. We really want to do these things. We're not after it because of the buzz of the feeling we did. We really want to do them. He says at some point, somebody who would put himself in that machine would be live his life as an indeterminate blob. And who wants that? But to argue against my position a little bit, just to be fair, I have asked undergraduates and graduate students for a long time, would you strap yourself into a machine? And my impression, other people have said the same as 10 years ago, maybe 15 years ago, people would say, no, no, I want to live a life well lived. More and more, I find people say, yeah, I would do it. I don't know, would you do it? I don't think I would. And I think it's like John Stuart Mill's thought experiment about is it better to be a happy pig snorting around in your sty, rutting and eating, basically getting pleasure from life, you're well-fed, or sad Socrates, you see more deeply and you don't probably have as much pleasure of the simple basic kind, but you are capable of the higher pleasures that human beings are capable of. That seems a more worthwhile life to me, and we often act that way. But there are definitely people who are pleasure seekers, and they will take the drugs that give them the buzz, even if it causes a physiological harm long-term. They don't mind messing up their brains for the short-term thrills, and they don't seem overly concerned with other people. Psychopaths in the kind of non-Hollywood sense 
I like that and they're all among us. So for some people, it's true. Personally, it doesn't seem to be a good way to live. I play the guitar. If you could give me a pill that took me up to the level of being a concert guitarist, well, it could be quite pleasurable, but it wouldn't seem quite right. I think I'd rather have a bit of practice to get there. It's like helicoptering me to the top of the mountain rather than climbing it. Yes. And in some way, this is why I'm a pluralist. So I've read people who are, in some way, scholars who are the opposite of hedonists who said, basically, you know, we are seeking out meaning and struggle and difficulty. And I think that that's true. But I also think these different motivations sit alongside each other. So one way to switch the thought experiment is, you know, if I was in prison or if I was suffering from chronic pain, I got into all sorts of situations where I would give everything I had to get plugged into that machine. You and I are living lives, I think, of privilege and good fortune. And so we say, eh, let's, let's muck around with the real life and, and bear the suffering anxiety. But for everybody, there are limits. Since we're talking about the, about the machine, by the way, we should point out a critique of it by uh, Philippe de Brigard, who points out that the standard question has a sort of status quo bias wired into it, which is we have our lives now for our connections and our relationships, and then we'll decide whether to go into the machine and lose this all. So he imagines you're living your life, it's, you know, you're on podcasts, family, friends, and then poof, you're put into a little room and you say, what is this? And you say, well, you've been in the, in the experience machine for the last five years, and this is your real life. The rest is just illusion. It's up to you now. We always ask after a five-year period, do you want to go back into the machine or do you want to stay in the real world? And now switching the status quo, switching the perspective, I'd probably say put me back. You see the argument played out in the very broadest sense. What do you want? Do you want to feel good or do you want reality? And then you see it playing out in a hundred smaller domains. I think it's really important to know what's true. I know intelligent, reasonable people who say, I more want to hear what makes me happy than the truth. I think it's important to interact with the real world, but I have an Oculus, a little virtual reality uh, game set, and sometimes that's actually a little bit preferable to the real world. Sometimes people seek out rich and complicated relationships, which are very challenging. Other times people seek out or pay for various other relationships that don't have the challenge. There's a further level you can go on this, of course, when you're talking about human relations, is we all project all kinds of things onto other people. And so in a sense, we're not really dealing with who they are, but there's a sense in which we are anticipating who they are, imagining who they are based on our own past experience, which may not actually reflect what they're truly like. That's a good point. I think in some way, one way to view a lot of our biases and what we bring to the world suggests that I think even in sort of in a healthy mind, there's a bit of an experience machine playing itself out. To some extent, I think that's sort of psychologically healthy to frame our intermediate outcomes as successes, to frame our interactions as, boy, I really got the better of that person. And maybe we don't want to be dissuaded from this. There's a very interesting literature in philosophy and psychology about things we don't want to know. Do I want to know the day of my death? Do I want to know what my friends really think of me? What would I do for the power of telepathy where my romantic partner, I hear what she's thinking all the time? And some things... I'd want to shield myself from. I couldn't function if I knew this all the time. We've talked quite widely about psychological hedonism. With your pluralistic approach, is there any implication about how we should live and how we should think about other people? I think there's the philosophical question of what we should want. There's sort of a practical question of how do people best flourish? And you could say there's three arguments against hedonism. Suppose there's some sense to motivational pluralism, but somebody could still say, fine, 
but I want to emphasize my life on pleasure. You got to focus on something. You know, they might say, look, you focus on truth. You focus on meaning. I'm going to be after pleasure. And it seems to me there's two main arguments against it. One is the moral argument, which is, you know, you shouldn't. You should care about other people. The second is more empirical. And it turns out there's something interestingly self-defeating about hedonism. There's now a wealth of studies suggesting that if you ask people, how much do you want to be happy? How much do you agree with claims like, it's very important to be happy. When I live my life, I think a lot about my happiness a lot. It turns out that people who are really into being happy are themselves much more likely to be depressed or anxious. There's something about seeking out happiness which gets in the way of being happy. I don't know, maybe it's excessive focus, like in a way that thinking a lot about kissing makes you a bad kisser. Maybe it's because people have unrealistic expectations or they try to do it in the wrong way. But trying to be happy is, is a very unfortunate pursuit. So there's something to the advice, even if you take pleasure very seriously, to pursuing other things. Try to be a good friend, try to be good at your job, try to engage yourself in activities for your own sake. And then you might get the pleasure button sort of pressed just as a byproduct, and then that could have its own reward. Problem, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. For more Philosophy Bites, go to www.philosophybites.com. You can also find details there of Philosophy Bites books and how to support us.